Hi, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Can We Talk About It, Though? I'm your host, Tanya, and I'm here today with my mom. Hi, mom. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for joining me. I know that this is really important to you, but also scary at the same time. Yes, it is. So I appreciate you. Um, So I end every episode with a quote, and while I was looking for a quote for this episode, I also, so I found two, and I thought starting this episode with one of the quotes would make a lot of sense. So the first quote is, you no longer have a secret, you have a story. So I don't know if that's a quote, but it's like a saying, I guess I would say. And I think it fits you really good because I feel like you had a hard time admitting the story of addiction in our family. So I think there is a story and a journey. So I wanted to start at the beginning and kind of go over the thoughts and feelings that you first had in realizing that your son had a problem um well I you know I can't even remember the beginning it's been many many years of a very sad journey Mm -hmm. luckily it's ended up okay but um it's uh, uh a burden Mm-hmm. Um, to, you know, wonder, you know, back in the beginning, where did I go wrong? Uh, what could I have done? Yeah. Um, so the, it was torturous, actually, in my head. Because, um, you know, I did have the luxury of being a stay-at-home mom um, until the divorce. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, <laughs> You, uh, you kids were teenagers, and um, everything you did wrong was my fault. <laughs> so, um, so just uh, the playing the blame game for many, many years, and trying to figure out um, where I went wrong. Um, but I full circle came to realize um, that I didn't do anything wrong. Right. That. It was his choice. Right. The road that he went down. Well, and Um, I think that's so common for parents to feel like they dropped the ball or they did something wrong or something. They handled something different or in a a wrong way so that that's the reason why Mm -hmm. somebody took that path. And I think for our family, um, there being three of us, it was hard for I'll speak for myself, not for Jesse, but it was also hard for us to watch you kind of feel like you failed. And I remember like being like, listen, we all live the same life. You know, like he took one path, we took the other. There's nothing that you did wrong. We all experienced the same things, you know, and Mm -hmm. we had a good life. Like you were a stay at home mom for a long time till you became a nurse and you and dad came to like all the, the sports games. I remember you guys coaching our teams, like our parents, you dad were very involved in our lives. Like we went on vacation, we went, you know, we had the lake house. So it's not like we 
grew up, there are situations where people grow up and their families, their parents might have issues or Mm. that's not how we grew up. So, you know, we can't relate to that. But I think watching you beat yourself up not knowing what you did wrong was also hard for us to watch too. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it's like a normal reaction that a lot of parents go through. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I guess, so I I want to also talk about like one of the things that really aggravated me um, listening to people talk about addicts and stuff was and I, I want to make sure to touch upon it with you, is that, like, people would be like, well, where are the parents? Right. You know? Well, unfortunately, um, <laughs> the parents really don't have any power um, when their children come of age and they're addicts, even though they're paying for their insurance. Right. Um, I tried m- multiple times um, behind the scenes to, to you know... I, get them into a rehab, get, you know, and, uh, nobody wanted to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Um, even though I was paying the insurance, um, until he was like 26, um, but nobody wanted to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were, oh no, if he calls, you know, and does the intake and whatnot, then, then, then we will see if we'll accept them into the program. Um, and that was really very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, because I, I wanted to intervene early on, but I wasn't able to because he was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, that, that also was a struggle for me and, um, it was just really frustrating. Um, but I did, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, uh, I work, I'm a nurse and and uh, so I take care of a, a lot of... A great nurse. Oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, you know, at the time, I was taking care of a lot of people that were, you know, trying to detox or, you know, from alcohol or drugs or, or you know, and I, and, I, and I could help them. Right. Well, and I think... I couldn't help my own son. And um, I was embarrassed. Um mm-hmm. As a nurse, to say, you know, that I had a family member that was an addict as well. And there was one point um, in my career, and I worked with this great social worker, um, and she was in on the case as well. And this patient was going to discharge um, without like a rehab plan or, or, you know, just discharge home. And so I went to her and I said, we can't do that. We can't do it. He's going to get discharged and die. Mm -hmm. And she turned around and she looked at me and she said, so-and-so, Patty, (laughs) (laughs) why should everybody be working harder on his recovery than him? And she really has no idea because she had no idea that, that I was struggling myself with a family member. Um, how that resonated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean, I was like, wow, that's such a true statement. Right. Like, I am 
you know, sick to death trying to get help. But the realization is he wasn't at that point right. that he wanted the help. Right. Um, and and I think that, that was like a turning point for me when she said that unknowingly. Right. Um, and And I was like, right, like. You're right. I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> of course I didn't. Right. Um, but. Well, and I th- think that it's important for you to share your struggles as a mom in the battle of knowing what you're comfortable doing with him. Mm-hmm. Because... I know you listened to my first mm-hmm. episode, and so me and you have butt heads hard mm-hmm. through this journey, yeah. especially in the beginning, because I was a very, like, cut him off, stop enabling him, why are you doing this, you know, what did you think was going to happen when you gave him the keys to your car, ma, you know, or whatever, um, not saying that he crashed it or anything, right. but... Um, and so we bought heads for a long time, but obviously my views have changed since then and evolved. And I think your your views have changed a little bit too as you've evolved. But I want to talk a little bit about like some, I want to go over some of the things that you did do that you feel like maybe you shouldn't have done, but because you're a mom and you just felt like right. you had no other option. Right. And then some things that you feel like you did and you feel good in doing it. Like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you know, there's a, uh, a, a, a fine line that you actually have to learn and it's a learned behavior as mm-hmm. a mother, mm-hmm. um, to be the difference between enabling and love. Right. Um, so uh, you think that by, you know, mom, can I have 50 bucks? Mom, can I have a hundred bucks? Mom, can I, you know, do this? Can I do that? Um, that you're loving them, mm-hmm. but in actuality, you're just enabling them. Right. Um, to continue um their lifestyle right or for instance um you know geez i don't know how many times he lived with me right um and uh we i i it was a hard realization that you know um we can't live together um i'm enabling mm-hmm. um and and you're being disrespectful right and so that that was um very hard um to say no you're not coming here mm-hmm. um and, and it took you the, a long time the, to get there well yeah it did because he's he's my kid kid and my firstborn right you know um and I'm, I, I, you know, as much as you tried to get me to give up on him, <laughs> um, I just could not give up on him. Nor would I give up on you if you had struggles. Right. Um, uh, and I remember when you kids were younger, um, you, uh, it, whenever I, I don't know, whenever I did something um, that you thought wasn't fair to, 
to all of you mm-hmm. for, you know, um, one of you. Right. You would say, that's not fair. <laughs> you, you know, that's not fair. But I, I really did try very hard to um, just be fair to what you needed as individuals. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. Um, and not fair to you as a group. Right. You know? Um, well, and we're all so different. Oh, definitely you're different. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it's, it was, it's hard to yeah. be a mother and watching, you know, your kids struggle and, um, you know, I'm very fortunate that I did have somebody that I could bounce stuff off like later in, in his addiction, um, uh, and be like, well, what do you think? Um, and get some good advice, um, from that person. Um, uh, so I was lucky in that part, but on the other hand, when you're getting phone calls saying, you know, come pick me up in Manchester, um, and you say no, and, you know, then it's like, well, I'm just going to be on the sidewalk, you know? And your first gut reaction is to go pick them up. Right. It takes a lot of strength right. to say, well, then that's what you choose to do. Right. Um, you know, the manipulation um, part of it, um, you know. And all I, addicts have manipulation absolutely. traits. Yes. And... Because he's family, he knows your triggers, mm-hmm. all of our triggers, and things to say. And I think it's interesting because with you, you were very good at noticing manipulative traits with your patients, but not, and maybe you did recognize them with your son, but you didn't. You f- you fell for him a little bit more right. just well, because yes, obviously you have that love you know right yes and and uh, that's a very hard um, gut wrenching uh, thing to 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 know that they're out on the street struggling right um, but you're not going to go pick them up now that being said um, I. I did uh, provide food for him. Yep. Um, the basics of life, other than, you know, that last time just saying, no, you're not coming to my house. Yeah. Um, this is my house. It's not your house. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, and then, you know, he really was on the streets. Right. You know? But he made it, right? So it, it made him figure it out. Right. Yeah. And I think that, um, one, it's important to say that it took, you know, this is over like over a 10-year span for you to get to mm-hmm. that point where you're like, and I think you got to that point kind of like all of us do is getting to that point where you're just like, I mentally cannot have you in my house not because like I you know I talk about like I couldn't see him like that but and I think you were probably better not that you 
could see him like that and be okay. I'm sure that was not a way, but you could have him around, but it was just you, it just beat you up. Mm-hmm. We all saw it, you know? And so then it's hard for, as a family, to watch somebody constantly keep getting beat up by this one family family member. And you like for us, it's like we couldn't do anything about it, mm-hmm. which is hard to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, and I think that's probably, um, you know, for me, you know, uh, having my kids around me and my grandkids, uh, you know, is everything. Right. You know, like, um, and so when, when you did take that stand and you were like, look, I'm not coming till holidays. Right. Um, that broke my heart. And then I had to start doing separate holidays. Right. Um, I'd do a holiday with him. And then I'd do a holiday with you. You know? And then finally I got to the point where I was like, this is just tearing me apart. So I'm just going to work every holiday. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. So I don't have to face it. Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, it was gut-wrenching. Right. Yeah. So. It's, it's hard. It was hard for me to say that to you because I knew and I don't want to like get emotional here but I knew that it was going to like hurt you but I just couldn't do it so um I think in dealing with an addict it is hard because you have to do what is mentally going to help you right and it's hard it's hard cuz there's so much like you know an addict does this to a family or an addict does that to the family but inside the family there's a lot of not just guilt about what you're doing you know like to enable or not enable or whatever but there's also a lot of guilt within the family like like for me making that decision like i had to make that decision for myself because of my brother but then in turn, I'm hurting other people. So, you know, it's just like a cycle yeah. of... And unfortunately, the addict doesn't get to see that. Right. Um, because they're so self-absorbed. Right. right. Um, that I'm not going to say he didn't care, but he just had no idea. Well, um, I don't think that he didn't care. I didn't. I think that in that time he was just so numb that yeah. the only person he cared about in that moment was him. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, we know him being sober and you know who he was before he became an addict. And he is like such a giving person. He really is that. Um, it for. When you tell him the stories, you know that it's going to affect him. But in the moment, he's not there. Right. It's kind of like um, when I had told him that I was going to be doing this podcast and stuff. And he was like, talk about me however you want. That's like a ghost. It's, you know, I'm not that person anymore. It's Mm -hmm. like talking about a ghost. And I get why he said that, but we're also really... And we really are t- talking about a ghost because he's there in his body, but his mind was not present in anything right. when he was using. Right. Yeah. And I, I think... Um, Except for selfishly. Right. I guess. 
And I think that, um, you know, I, I had, oh boy, I waited for years for that knock to come on my door. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, you know, as you were saying in your first podcast, you know, it, he's either dead or um, in jail, mm-hmm. you know, and you kind of wished for jail. Right. But, but you know, it was a very dark, dark place that I went to. And thank God for your aunt, because she pulled me out of many dark places during this whole um, episode. Um, that I finally had to, like, realize that even if that knock came on the door that that he was dead... I had been grieving him for so long mm-hmm. um, because he wasn't my son. Right. I, I mean, in, in that body moment. he was. Um, but he was not not the son that I knew. Mm-hmm. And I'd been grieving him for, for so long um, that I don't know how I would have been affected by it. I, I, like, I built that wall, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm expecting it. Yeah. And that's going to be fine. Um, he's yeah. going to be at peace. Um, and, you know, he succumbed to the to the struggles. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that <clears throat> we had conversations like that and you would say that. You'd be like, I'm just ready for that phone call. And I would always be like, yeah, but you're really not. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, like, I think that became a defense mechanism for you, too. Sure. Was that, like... I'm just ready for every possibility and you were just like, I'm ready for that phone call because it was just kind of easier to say. Mm -hmm. And then thankfully we never had to have that phone call um, or deal with that. But I do like, um, you definitely were not as ready as you thought you were, I feel like. And I think that that also is a normal thing for a, parent probably to say Mm -hmm. like hey I'm ready for that and knowing that like you've been grieving him for so long and all that stuff but as much as you were grieving him I think you know he's alive so you still had hope oh absolutely so I never gave up hope you're you I think if god forbid that had happened and I'm so glad that it didn't it would be just as devastating because there goes that hope too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's final. Right. Exactly. So, so it's like, it's on one hand, you're like, they're at peace and like, not that you're relieved, but it's just like, we've been, you know, it's like, Oh God. Okay. There's just an ending. Right. It's not a continuation. Right. Um, but it's ended. (laughs) Mm-hmm. At the same time, you're well, like, well, and, f- and for him as well, right? Because I mean, he was tortured. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and I, you know, I, I really, truly do believe that you know, every time he'd call me, and he'd say, "Mom, this is it. This is it. Can you help me get into a rehab?" I really, truly believe that he believed that. Yes. Like. Yeah. Truly. Um, and I did it a, a few times, and then, you know, finally I was like, no, nope, you've got all the tools. You mm-hmm. work it out. Yeah. If you want it, make it happen. Right. And he did a couple times. Right. 
So, and I think it's important to say, you know, you helped get him into a few rehabs. He did go to rehabs. He went to sober living. Mm -hmm. He joined the army. (laughs) He moved to Hawaii. He uh, detoxed in facilities, in houses. Mm -hmm. So he had a long journey of ups and downs. And well, you go on that ride with them. Well, I was going to say, and I think that nobody could say that we we didn't try everything that it, it let me rephrase that. You didn't try everything that you had in you. Um because I think you know as much as you didn't have control in getting him into places, he did go to that we we went to Al-Anon we worked with a drug and alcohol counselor we kind of did it all and because he wasn't completely ready right it didn't none work. of it worked no it did not work and just like the social worker had said why is everybody working harder on his sobriety than him right and so that you know that's the reality that you know, you can you can spend a billion dollars yeah. on on rehabs and whatnot, but unless that the the person themselves is committed to it, right? Um, it's a waste of money, right? But I think it's important to say, like going back to what you said, that because he had all of these tools that he picked up in those places, um. Mm-hmm. He did have the tools. He did know how to get there. He just wasn't ready to be there. Right. Um, and I think that being a parent, that's got to be gut-wrenching. Yeah. To feel like... You've given all the tools mm-hmm. for him to, you know, plant a seed and grow. Right. Um, But they don't want it yeah right so do you feel like Al-Anon and um drug and alcohol counseling helped you or do you feel like because I think it helps some people I'm not against Al-Anon or drug and alcohol counseling I think getting the the most knowledge that you can um but do you feel like it opened your eyes or helped you or do you feel like something else helped you more um it's hard to um really say and and i'm a big proponent of al-anon and you know uh counseling and whatnot you know if it works for you right um and i I think you have to to go to al-anon's you know the al-anon meetings and it it wasn't um it wasn't geared towards drug addicts it was more um alcoholics yeah. really but and they're one and the same really right um but oh gosh i would just go there and i'd sit through the meetings and i'd cry and i'd feel bad for all you know all all the people that had lost um you know, their loved ones to addiction. And 
And I don't know. I just, I didn't feel like connected. Yeah. Um, in that way. Um, but I will say though that I did go to a, a, a couple of meetings where, um, there were some workers, um, from other jobs that I had had there that, you know, I was like, at the time working with them, I thought, wow, they got their shit together. Wow. They're so, you know, awesome, Mm -hmm. you know, and they were there, Mm -hmm. um, because they had addicted children or whatever. And so I kind of, you know, through that, I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like this hits everybody. Right. You know? Yeah. It hits everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, whether you're the most put together person in the world, um, or you're not. Right. It hits everybody. So. It's kind of like, um, and I'll probably get this analogy wrong, but I'm going to try to say it anyways. <laughs> it's like they say that, like, the sea has no prisoners, you know? Like, I don't know if I'm making that up in my head or if that's a real thing. But it's the same thing. Like, drugs have no... Like, the sea does not care if you are... You can swim a hundred meters or not like when it's when you're out there and not being safe it's taking you and same with drugs like it doesn't care who you are right where you grew up what your story is right you know how much money you have or how much money you don't have it doesn't matter once it gets a hold of you it gets a hold of you and it gets a hold of your your whole um family Right. Or, or loved one's circle, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that you also, when you're going into Al-Anon and stuff, you have to have an open mind and be ready to hear things um, and accept it like, yeah, this is also going on with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did like the drug and alcohol counseling which I think was good mm-hmm. for us as a family yep. because we all went together. Um, well, um, your brother didn't go. Right. No, but us as a unit, <clears throat> yeah. you know, like me, you, and Jesse went. Um, and it it gave us some good tools to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to talk about like – the emotions that you feel as a parent and having an addict. Um, so what are some of like the words of emotions? Like shame obviously is a big one. Mm-hmm. These, these are the ones that I kind of came up with, like shame, worry, guilt. Um, like I feel like you worried all the time. Mm-hmm. 100 hours a day, not 24. <laughs> um, shame, guilt, worry, um, like it consumed your whole being. Mm-hmm. It did. So do you want to share a couple of the thoughts or no that you had, like when he was really bad? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the shame. Um, you know, like I said, I work um, in an environment that I (laughs) take care of people that are trying to detox and, and, you know, I just didn't want anybody to know, um, 
none of my coworkers knew right um that I had a son that was addicted right um I just didn't talk about it mm-hmm. at all um but I guess some of them picked up on you know like my interactions with <clears throat> the families and and the attic um and we're kind of like, wow, how does she know that, you know? Right. Um, and I, I used to always, you know, tell my patients' families, you know, I, I walk with that pebble in my shoe. Yeah. Right? So I I can honestly talk to you from the heart of, of what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You're helpless, you know? Um, you want to help your kid, but you can't. Right. Um, and, uh, it, it was very emotional. Um, and I don't know why I would talk to patients' families <laughs> and, and not my coworkers. Right. Well, um, because you probably felt like they understood you more so than your coworkers. Right. Yeah. Or that you wanted them to feel like you understood them. Right. But right. Because there's, there is a lot of shame that it, you walk in and, you know, you kind of feel like judgmental eyes are upon you, mm-hmm. you know? And I just wanted them to know that I walk with that pebble in my shoe as well. Yeah. You know? So no judgment here. Right. Um, Because I know that, you know... And like you said, you know, where were the parents? Where right. were the parents? Where were the parents? Well, the parents might have been sitting right on top of them. <laughs> right. Um, and it happens, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think, you know, back in the day, and, and I mean, I'm not making excuses at all, um, but I think that, that uh, physicians... Uh, were very loose in prescribing opiates, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm again, I'm not, you know, casting blame or whatever, but, you know, and unfortunately, that's how a lot of these um people got addicted. They got sports injuries, you know, something like that. Had you know broke a leg, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would just give you a prescription for. Opiates. Right. Um, oxycodone. Um, you know, and then, and then cut you off. Right. You know what I mean? hmm So, um, and again, I mean. Yeah, it's, that's how you see some of, like, you've kind of seen it on both ends. Right. Yeah. Not that you're saying that that's what happens in every case, but... Mm -hmm. No, no. I mean, I think there is a certain degree of experimentation, you you know, when you're a teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's just a matter of if you get hooked or not, you know? Yeah. So, um, before we kind of wrap this up, I think it's important for us to kind of not plug, but like give a little shout out to um, Chucky's fight because I think he was a huge help in 
our brother, my brother, your son's recovery, even though, you know, it's the addict's decision. And, but I think that, um, we cut, we, we definitely leaned on absolutely them. Um, and I think you probably more so Mm -hmm. used him as kind of like a crutch sometimes to just be like, what should I be doing? Or is he okay? Mm-hmm. Or whatnot. Um, don't you feel like? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Chucky's Fight is a nonprofit organization. If anybody wants to look them up, they can look them up on their own and see kind of what they do. Um, but they do, they deal with addicts and help them in various ways. And we were lucky enough to have him in our lives um and my brother's life yeah um because i think he is instrumental in in his sobriety absolutely yeah yeah um is there anything else that you wanted to share or do you feel like you got everything out that you wanted to and well I mean, I think that um, just knowing your children, yeah, um, and um, I don't know. I just, I'm just like that mother that just can't give up. I just can't. I'm yeah. not. I don't think I'm overbearing. <laughs> Am I? No, I, no, I don't think so. Like intrusive in your life. No, 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 no. You know. Yeah, no. No, I think that you have different relationships with each kid based on who we are as people. And I think that as much as you try to put up a wall with my brother, I think that you will never give up on him which is a good thing um and you will always try to find different approaches that to get through to him Mm -hmm. I think that over the 10 plus years that this has been going on um you've evolved a lot in how you handle him Mm -hmm. and I think that you're just constantly always going to the drawing board and seeing what works and what doesn't Mm -hmm. um and I think that you are better at I feel like at the beginning you gave all of yourself to him to the point where you had nothing else to give to anybody even yourself right that's exactly right I think he drained the life out of you and you were dying with him Mm -hmm. yeah but now I feel like you've slowly figured out a way to, I don't know if a mother ever puts herself first, but to find your way on your own and... Um, well, I had to stop being codependent. Right. That's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. I had to find a way to stop being codependent. And yeah. And and let him stand on his own two feet. Yeah. And and like, realistically, I really I had never let him do that. Right. 
I always put band-aids on everything for him. Yeah. Um, and I was always his go-to. Yep. Always. Um, even when he was very little. Right. Um, so, yeah, just trying to, to uh, find that balance. And, and, you know, I mean, he's... He's been clean and sober since March 15th last year. So I, you know, no, two years now. Wow, he's coming up on two years. That's awesome. Which is the longest he's ever gone. And I really, truly do feel in my heart um, that he's in a good place. He's yeah. on a good journey. Um, and and not that, not that um, you know... I really just feel like he's never going to go back to that place. Yeah. Yeah. I think he likes his life now. Yeah. <laughs> I I think it's important to to share that too and I think it's it's interesting to hear, you know, that's that's such a mom thing to say, I feel like. <laughs> um like you just believe the best in everything that your kids do. And you're so passionate about it. And then on the other hand, like I'm his sister and I hear that and I'm like, I still hold my breath Mm -hmm. and you're, you're around him a lot more than I am. Um, but so like, it's so, (laughs) it's so telling because this is obviously how a family is. And like, you have your mom who's your biggest cheerleader and you're like, this is it. I know it. It's two years. It's the longest he's ever gone. And I'm like, it's two years. It's so great. And I'm still holding my breath. Yeah. So, and that's just obviously going to happen and different personalities too and different experiences with each other. And I am the type that like has built that wall up with him and I'm slowly making progress at taking it down a little bit. But um, I think it's important kind of to show that difference. Absolutely. That like it's okay that there's a family with people that deal with it differently and see it differently um because that's going to happen right but in the end we all want the same thing mm-hmm. we just receive it a little differently sometimes mm-hmm. and not that I mean I I'm so proud of him and I I'm happy where he is and I hope that it sticks but there's just that part of me that is just always I don't know if I'll ever get to the point where I'm not holding my breath. Hmm. I would like to, but. But that's your personality. Right. Right. And he's not my kid. Yeah, he's not my kid. (laughs) (laughs) So we just. Yeah. I mean, there's just um, different, different. um, uh, It doesn't mean that, you know, uh, one way is better than the other way or. Right. Or whatever. It's just it just means that, you know, um, everybody takes their own journey. Right. Through this. And that's why I think this podcast is so important, because I think it's important to show that, like, there's no right or wrong way to do this. Mm-hmm. And there's so much literature about, like, don't enable, stop talking to them. This is what you need to do. And everybody's so quick to say this is what you have to do. Yeah. And sometimes it works for people. Yeah. And that's great. But sometimes it doesn't. And I think as a parent, most of all, it's much harder for you to just cut somebody off, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's why I started this podcast so that I can show different 
ways that people have lived and dealt with this. And it doesn't mean that one way is right and one way is wrong or that anybody should be pointing fingers saying you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, which is where we kind of started off. Right. And I, oh, we definitely started off that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Um, and, um, I think, you know, I, I think that this, uh, podcast is important and basically, um, uh, validating people's thoughts. Like, yeah, it's okay to say, um, you know, I had been grieving my son for years. Right. He was already, you know, he wasn't my son anymore. Right. That's okay to say that and feel that. Right. You know? Um, and it's normal. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's normal because I don't know if anything in this situation is normal. Well, but yeah. it's okay to feel that way. You're not abnormal, I think. Right. Um, and if you don't have those thoughts, that's okay too. Right just different for everybody um okay so i'm gonna end this with a quote okay it's to you so it's mothers of an at of addicts have a heart of gold the patience of a saint and are thick-skinned badass warrior princesses who know how to fight for what they love and i couldn't come up with a better quote of who you are (laughs) Because that is you to a T, and you fought so hard for what you love, and you didn't give up, and we are very lucky to be in the position that we are. 